0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks, really great to have you back here today, and yeah, we've got a returning guest here today, um, Lisa DeLay, who I spoke to um, late last year, and um, I've guested on her podcast before as well, and she is a podcaster and an author and a blogger um, from the States, so hi, so welcome back.
1: James, it's so nice to be back. I'm honoured that you'd have me back on.
0: (laughs) Always. Um, Yeah, so um, just tell us what you've been up to since we last talked to you.
1: Well, I'm doing my podcast, Spark My Muse, which comes out twice a week on Fridays and Wednesdays. And it's heard in 147 countries, and it's a lot of fun and a lot of work, and it's keeping me busy. And late Mm. last year, I did a book, about discernment and decision making, and finding your way, using the lens of Ignatian spirituality from four hundred years ago, kind of as the mm. context for for that. And so, that's kind of what's been keeping me busy, as well as the few odd jobs to sort of fund the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, so, so tell us a bit about this book. It's called um, um, What Is it Called. Tell us it's, bit, called,
1: it's called um, it's called it sounds really cheeky actually because it's called forked and so it sounds no. like it's a euphemism but um, it's forked a discernment pocket guide for choosing wisely between two good things because discernment is actually about choosing wisely between two good things it's not about choosing between right and wrong because that's actually a a moral choice that yeah. we know we actually already know uh which is the right choice and the wrong choice but the hardest choices that we come across are between choosing between good better and best and in life yeah. those we're met with those choices all the time and that's where the real angst comes in
0: yeah
1: okay. so yeah so this originally Ignatius of Loyola was a priest from Spain and Excuse me, I'm struggling with a cold right now, so occasionally you're going to hear like the little uh, sporadic cough or something. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Ignatius of Loyola was, before he was a priest, he was a soldier and came from a very wealthy family and got terribly, terribly hurt on the Mm. battlefield and had a lot of time to think. And he was a ladies' man and he was a successful soldier, very wealthy, and was vain enough that when his leg healed improperly, he had them re-break it and um, was in, laid up in bed for a long time. And wow. that led to him reading novels at, of the time, romances and those types of things. And he wanted to be uh, very noble and chivalrous. And But he, he came to realize that that weren't very satisfying. And he came to read um, books about the saints and uh, had a conversion experience wow. event, eventually. But he also saw the world as a battle between good and evil. And Mm. I think that had a lot to do with sort of his military background. And what he wound up doing is writing this book called The Spiritual Exercises, which is a classic in Christian tradition. 400 Mm. years ago, he wrote this. And it was mainly to help people who are entering the vocation of priesthood. It's, It's one of these decisions, obviously, it's a huge, huge decision. Are you going to take these vows of poverty and chastity and all the rest and serve the Lord for your whole life or just lead a righteous life. It's not, you know, are you going to worship Satan or become a priest? Right, right. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to take this this type of decision very seriously. So he came up with these spiritual exercises to lead uh, young men through a time of of prayer, of asking God and the whole premise really is about seeing spirituality in a very different way he he was 400 years ahead of rob bell so everything is spiritual right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the idea is that god is always at work and there's there's two main premises in ignatian spirituality one is that god is is everywhere all the time and always accessible not god is not far off in heaven he's within and always accessible and in everyone always working all the time. So even when we don't see it, God is actually working in everyone all the time, whether we know it or not. And also that God, that our main project in life, if you will, is to help God heal the world. And so those two things are the main things to realize of life, right? So you could Mm. say uh, to, to sense God, or you could say to sense love in all things, and to uh, work with love, divine love, to bring healing into the world. And so those are the two main premises of Ignatian spirituality. And then with those things, you connect with God in prayer and with your whole body, mind, spirit, and all these different sorts of prayer forms and exercises to work through a decision process. So nothing's left out. You use your intuition, you use imaginative prayer. There's all these different exercises he includes. And when I worked through them in my own decision-making with my own spiritual director, I thought, this is a treasure trove. Why doesn't anyone know about this? And so I wanted to put it into context. I recommend that people actually read the spiritual exercises, but the language is really archaic and I thought I just want to do a little pocket guide get people like a jump start on it and yeah
0: yeah yeah sounds good
1: you know just something quick and then go back and read the real the real thing but what I wanted to do is kind of explain some of the main concepts there's the concept of of holy indifference which sounds at first blush like apathy but it's actually just holding things very very loosely so that you're not knocked around in the world and you you allow god to have his way in the world and in your heart and then there's other concepts about the consolation and the desolation of what ignatius calls discerning the spirits and so it, it's it's a fascinating way of a lens of seeing the world and i think of it as like a a toolbox it's not like you have to adopt the ignatian Worldview
0: or something, (laughs) absolutely.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but right, you know. So you you can just see, you know, maybe this helps. So in this discerning of the spirits, as Ignatian saw it, he saw that the consolations of God are when you feel deeply, deeply connected to God, and you feel Mm -hmm. a consolation of your spirit. But the desolation of God is the complete opposite. That's when you feel disconnected with God and others. And so, when you 're deciding something, if you feel the consolation of god that 's the path you move toward.
0: But when mm. you feel
1: the disconnection and the desolation of God, you wait and you don't you don 't go in that path and so this is all done best with a spiritual director who 's trained in the Christian yeah. tradition, of course, but yeah. you can at least get an idea wow. Um, like yeah I'll... so there 's a lot here, really. This is just a taste, but um some of the exercises involve uh using your your mind and using your rational thought, which is sometimes we think when we pray to God we're sort of using our heart, we're just like yeah you know give me the desire of my heart, Lord, you know, and this is actually like, no, go ahead and use your brain too <laughs> yeah.
0: well, yeah, I mean it's fascinating because i I, I talked to um I interviewed uh, Dr. Kate Hendricks-Thomas um, a while back, and she's coming on again soon. Um, and one of the things that her research has told her is that there's a part of our brain that actually only activates when we pray, a part of our brain that lights up only when we pray, not when we meditate or anything like that, just when we pray. Um, and I thought that, was, that blew my mind when I heard that. So there is definitely something about the brain, um, but like you say, you know, um, not just our it's not just our heart's, Praying. It is something to do with our, with our mind as well, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another thing I really was terribly impressed by in this way of thinking about decision-making, discernment, and finding your way is the gift that we have in our bodies that we don't always think about when we pray. So one mm-hmm. of the spiritual exercises is to fully realize the sensations and the feelings in your body as you're praying. And I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but I hadn't really even thought about it. Um, so, so what you're doing is when you're praying or you're just listening, mostly you're just waiting on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And as you're thinking about your decision and the path you're choosing, you're just taking an inventory of all the bodily sensations in your body. And that might sound woo woo or weird or like you've never done it before. But I was noticing, and my spiritual director was was kind of helping me through it. You know, She was saying, now, a lot of times when you come to a decision that's the right decision, you'll feel a very expansive feeling in your body and you'll feel like it's easier to breathe. But when you're anxious and it's the wrong decision and somehow you know it on an intuitive level, you'll feel very tight in your body and you'll, you'll actually be holding stress in your body and... Mm. That's it's true. it's a different feeling and you know something in you on a bodily level knows something that your rational mind hasn't figured out yet.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true. That I mean, I think we I think I think many of us deep down know that. That you know, that mm. the people who know us best they can often mm. you know, they can often see that something's wrong before we can. You know, that yeah. they can see it in our body and our demeanour and we think we're fine. We think everything's okay, and then they stop and ask us and we and they make us think, you know, like, you know, come on, what's, what's going on, you know. And, yeah. and then we have to stop and think about it. And then we see what, what they've seen all along.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've been praying over things sometimes. And, and I'll think, I'll be out of my body and in my head, so to speak. You know, I'll be thinking and thinking and thinking. And then I'll mm. think, okay, now, what's my body going through right now? Then I'll notice my toes are kind of crunched and curled up. And I'll notice I'm not really fully breathing with my entire lungs. I'm just kind of shallow Mm. breaths. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'll think, wow, I, I've got to get sort of back into my body and relax. And it's interesting. I'm heading down this road, making this one decision, but clearly my body isn't comfortable with it. And I'm going to have to give that over to God and just wait on this decision until I feel the consolation of God with it, the connection. And right now I'm actually not it's not okay yet. It's not okay to move toward this yet. And that's part of the kind of inviting God into every single little piece and part of our lives mm. because we have this terrible tendency to keep God outside as if God is not within, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, he's over there or yeah, she's that's over right. there. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's
0: over there. Yeah. Over there. Out, outside of me. Yeah. You know, oh, there's me and then there's God, you know, um, Rather than the kind of integrated spirituality kind of um, that we are that God is part of who we are, you know
1: yeah, yeah exactly, and I, I think that's kind of um you know if we believe that that God can incarnate us that God can either we believe that or we don't you know we, we're we're saying you know we're inviting quote Jesus into our heart, well what does that even mean right yeah
0: exactly yeah um.
1: He's, God is somehow indwelling us. Then that shouldn't be a surprise, you know. That we're, but yet yeah, we're calling on God to you know come back in, <laughs> join That's me again.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love what Richard Raw says about this that you know that that we're meant to be incarnate. We're meant to be God incarnate, you know, on this earth. That's what mm-hmm. we're called to do, you know. And Jesus came to show us what that looked like to be incarnate. You know, um, mm. um, that's. I mean, I, I, I love what you draw, but um, uh, yeah, and I think that's. Tr- but I think that's true, and that's what you're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think this is actually just a very, very old idea, um, it's at least mm. 400 years old. But I'm sure Ignatius is drawing on much older things, and of course, biblical things. And another prayer form that a lot, that helps a lot of people, and this isn't the kind of thing where you have to go through every single exercise and do every single thing. You just use different exercises until you find your way and, you know, move on from there. And these kind of spiritual exercises aren't, um, you know, they're not rules. They're just tools. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, And one of them is um, the use of imagination. And so mm. that's that's the beautiful creative one that I just mm, love because I love I'm very that. visual and imaginative. And I've always been like that. I've always been had an artistic personality and a creative personality and imaginative prayer is this huge, deep well and resource mm, for yeah. the people of God that I don't know has ever been taught to me uh, about using imaginative prayer. And I don't know if people are afraid of it or think you'll lead you down a bad path, but have you ever done imaginative prayer?
0: Uh, well, I've done something called Lectio Divina, mm-hmm. um, which is—I don't know—I can't remember if you talked about that in the book. But, yeah. Um, well, not
1: in the book, but it's a very—it's very different. That's using scripture,
0: but that's kind of yeah. I've done that, which is basically for people who are listening who don't know what it is. It's
1: yeah.
0: It's basically a reading of of scripture, and you kind of read it you read it once and then you try and imagine yourself in the, in you know basically in the passage as a character in the passage and that you're actually there and you start and then you start to meditate on like the smells and the sounds and the and the, the atmosphere and, and the the feelings of people that will be actually in the story and so you immerse yourself in the story and it's actually a very, very physical thing to do as well um, as well as a imaginative thing That it's but it's a very powerful way of reading scripture, um, and I can imagine that doing the same thing with prayer is also quite powerful. Um, so yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The way you're describing lexio actually is more imaginative prayer. It, typically, lexio involves four four movements, and yeah, so that's there's right. yeah. the reading, the reading, which is just like you know out loud. Usually, it's, yeah. it can be communally or can be individually. Yeah. Actually, at my website, there's there's quite a bit on it. at you can go to sparkmymuse.com or lisa and i have a have some resources on it but there's uh, the reading of the scripture which is usually quite short and then mm. there's the um so there's <laughs> let me think about it again because this is like spur of the moment as well, yeah. Um, yeah. and then you um pray and then you con- contemplate so contemplatio is just the last movement. It's actually just resting and it's the inactive prayer. So it's just the waiting on the Lord, the listening and the apophatic prayer, which is without words, prayer without words, which is the very restful kind of ending on it. But imaginative prayer is actually a little bit different where you might read a portion of scripture. And this is, this is kind of what happened with me the one time. So I was reading Um, this is with my director at the time. And she read me the passage of scripture about Jesus in the boat when he fell asleep. Mm -hmm. And we went through this. So she read the the portion and, you know, it was prayerful and quiet. And I closed my eyes and she read about Jesus in the boat in, in the storm. And there's the disciples and they're trying and trying and trying to get this to the other side of the lake and of the sea of Galilee. and, And, they're trying and trying. There's Jesus asleep, and they're getting worried. And she's reading me the whole story, and she's like, now imagine that you're in the boat too. Mm. Do you see yourself in the boat? And I'm like, yes, I do. This is mm. really easy for me because I'm so visual. So i am it's a movie in my head, right? Yeah, yeah, so, I know you mean. Yeah, you yeah, me, there yeah. I am. I'm in the boat. She's like, okay, are you in the boat? Yes, I am. And do you feel the wind? Yes, I feel the wind. Do you feel the – do you see? you know, feel the water on you and and what's happening and I said, Yeah, I'm in the boat and you know, I'm kind of praying with it, I'm kind of holding the story. And she says, So where are you in the boat? Are you with the disciples? I'm like, no, I'm I'm near Jesus and and um what do you want she goes, what do you want to do? What's the invitation? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to curl up next to Jesus and, and take a nap with him and just just be be near him. She's like, go ahead, do it. Oh, wow. And it was comforting to me because what I was going through was a storm. And I felt like that was that was what I needed. I needed God to comfort me. And there was a storm. And did I want to be a disciple? I really didn't. I didn't want to fight the storm. I wanted to be right near Jesus, and I wanted him to comfort me. And then he could stop the storm when it needed to be stopped, and I didn't have to worry about it. I could just be right near him. Mm. And that kind of imaginative prayer, and that kind of comfort, couldn't have happened more deeply and profoundly. And when you experience it visually and in your imagination, it's very rich. And so, um, mm. imaginative prayer is, you know, something that might not be great for everybody, but for me, at different times and in decision-making times, mm. it's it's a very beautiful and um, you know rich tradition that people are you know invited to tap into if
0: they like wow that that sounds amazing it really Mm. does um yeah so i was gonna say actually i mean how is i mean how have these practices kind of practice i mean can you share an example of maybe a decision you've had to make Mm. where these kind of um where these practices have been helpful in making that decision
1: There've been I I use them all the time in in almost every every decision from big ones to little ones I use them all the time in one way or another because it's it used to be something that I would access in in really um, in really sort of formal ways and now it's almost second nature because mm-hmm. what happened is I don't think about God as separate separate from me. At this point, I'm much more of a contemplative um, spiritual person. It's much more in the mystic category, which is going to, for some people, be like, what does that even mean? Is she some kind of weirdo witch? (laughs) But a mystic, a Christian in the mystic tradition is much more uh, embracing of mystery. And I think of God as as ever-present in maybe how Brother Lawrence might. Like, I don't think of myself as separated from God. So I don't, um, it's, it's a little bit like prayer without ceasing in in a sense of, I don't think of God as in heaven and I don't think of God as a man with a beard or as human. And so when I go to make a decision, I can just kind of slip right into one of the exercises. So it's a little different for me because I've spent so much time with, with the exercises and with this sort of way of seeing the world that, it's very routine for me and for other people, it might not be like that. So, um, trying to think of an instance where this might, where this might happen that that would make sense to people. So, um, what, what really helps is in terms of empathy, um, for instance, if I'm, if I'm in a situation and, um, I see that somebody needs something, right. I can sense that the consolation of God in my spirit. And that's kind of like a, it's almost like a, um, how I see things working is that you don't really find God and does God doesn't really find you. You just have a series of a waking up to God. And so as you continue to wake up, you understand the consolations of God more and more deeply. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to go through rough times or feel desolation, and you certainly will and you'll still go through dark night of the soul periods where god seems very very silent and things seem very very obscure mm. but the consolation of god is this connection with god that you don't feel gets um severed you just feel uh, it's it's hard because it it doesn't really have words it's it's kind of like um
0: I know what you mean i think a
1: oneness it's like a oneness and so yeah. For instance, if someone's suffering, you can kind of feel this consolation of the spirit. And I realize as I'm saying this, maybe people are going to be listening, be like, she might need medicine. <laughs> but you feel this <laughs> consolation of the spirit and you think and you can sense your oneness with the other person and just sort of sense in, in an empathetic way what they might be going through. And you just go to them and you feel like they're they're your brother or sister and yeah. you just go in, you see God in that other person in, in a sense. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, yeah, I could go to my car right now or I could go to that coworker and just say, hi, how are you doing? What, what's going on with you? you, you is, something, is anything wrong? And so like, yeah, you, good, better or best. So I could go to my car and just drive home or I could go over to this person and I know that they're a little down and the... The consolation in my spirit. I'm sensing this something in my spirit that says the spirit in me and the spirit in them. There's something going on there, so I just follow that thing. And it's. I think a lot of people are moved by the spirit too. It's. I'm not. I'm not unique. <laughs> you just. Are, you <laughs> yeah. just tune in. You just dial in. That's
0: exactly the metaphor I was thinking about. It sounds right. like. It sounds like you are tuning in to mm. something which is already going on
1: yes yes
0: and something which is um obviously it's the spirit of god but i think it's
1: yeah
0: it's almost more than that in the sense in that um the kind of spirit that we that we give off in, in terms of i don't I don't want to use the word energy because that sounds a bit <laughs> hippie but <laughs> right, but i think okay. but I, I think you know, I know what i mean that we give off that we give off we give off a presence i mean some people kind of you, when you're around them you kind of instinctively feel unsafe or uncomfortable without and you don't know why or some people you just feel completely safe completely um loved accepted and you don't, you, you, and you don't know why even if you've right, never met yeah. them you know um, right right and, uh, and I, think
1: I think if we if we think of god as the source there isn't a place that god isn't however yeah the ego and the shell gets in the way so the ego and the pain and the hurt creates this shell around that source and you kind of can't get to it sometimes right yeah and and then other times you'll get you'll see a crack and you'll see that real thing there that source there and god is in all things and i know that might sound not evangelical i'm sorry to those who might be offended by that well, but um <laughs> but i think that if you if you really pay attention you're gonna see it too and you see it in kids where they haven't gotten an ego yet and they haven't gotten their yes. shell and they're hurt yet. And You'll see it. Yes. And if you really see people at a weak moment so when true. they're suffering and their shell is down or cracked and you can see in there, you'll see it too. And it's just, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like like Rob Bell says, I think I think that if we're really being honest, this is a thing that transcends politics and religion and everything else. And and that's part of what, why I don't talk too much about doctrine and dogma and, and all the rest is because I want to get down to something very fundamental. And that really bridges into, I think, um, mysticism, which, which I guess you could, that's not a, maybe a great word, but I'm not sure what else to use, but mysticism crosses all the boundaries is, is more of a base level thing that we're talking about. I'm not sure what other word to use, but essentially what we're talking about is uh, the reality of God or whatever you want to call what's really going on yeah. and making sure we are truly embracing that divine love and really living it out. And we're not going to get it right. I I absolutely do not get it right. And I make mistakes, Mm, Um, you know, Hourly, <laughs> multiple times an hour. <laughs> I'm not going to get it right, but I do know that it's real, and I'm fully prepared to continue to walk toward that.
0: That's awesome. That's really awesome. I mean, it, it sounds. I mean, in terms of the mystics, I think I've had a lot of the mystics as well, and you know, um, uh, I love Richard Raw. You know, and mm. uh, I mentioned him earlier, and the, yeah, this kind of idea that. Um, it's not either or it's both and and that we're all connected and you know, that, that, uh, there's something that links all of us and that we need to tune into that, you know, and that way we can serve each other better and we can love each other better and we can, and we can be better as people, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's, you know, worshiping God and spirit and in truth. And I think, um, that the core of Jesus' teaching affirms affirms all that, and so it's a matter of um, I mean Jesus is the perfect example for the kind of life I hope to live, and so mm. um, that's that is the the reason I wrote the book is to have more tools to to find our way that aren't just the prescribed tools of you know read. An, Read your Bible and pray, and you know, make a leap of faith. It, this is like a lot more. There's there's the practical ways. There's the imaginative ways. There's the seeking counsel ways, and and this is kind of a. It's a tiny book, but it's just more more raw materials for, for kind of navigating life. I'd say, and <laughs> yeah. it's a, since I since I kind of access all these points i thought maybe other people would be interested in it too but the other reason i did it is because they had already been a whole bunch of blog posts i had done and it was kind of easy to gather them up
0: (laughs) yeah i I, I mean i've done i've done that with ebooks as well um (laughs) it's one it's what that's one thing it's perfectly perfectly legitimate thing to do Mm -hmm. you know if you've got a lot of material on one theme um you can adapt it and add to it and improve it and edit it and and put it together and make it into a book um, and um, and that 's actually a really good thing to do, I think, because it makes it more accessible to more people in a way mm. um, so yeah and i 'm glad you 've written this book yeah you know, it's I think it 's a really really important book um, mm. uh, yeah so um, okay, so what i mean what are your what are your hopes for the book what are you you know what, what do you kind of what would you like it to ideally? What would you like? What would you like? What would you, what would you well, hope to be for it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, and I was thinking a lot about that. And when I wrote it, I wrote it and put it out there, and I did almost nothing except in the first maybe two weeks to promote it. So I've left it for dead, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just concentrated on the podcast. and I didn't even give it almost any thought after after I think I did it in November. But what I actually was hoping to do was people who are going through a big decision making process like about marriage or mission field or even smaller decisions. I was actually hoping to get some kind of um, webinar going or spiritual direction going with it. And then mm-hmm. ultimately if I, if I head down this direction, if there's enough interest, I was actually hoping to do retreats this way too. So if someone has, a fork in their road that we could do a retreat for a weekend or three days and go through the book and just pick out the exercises that make sense for people and do it do it that way but mm. I, I don't know if that will come to fruition or if that's just something that I think would be interesting I don't know if it's there's Sounds going, interesting if it's going to me yeah yeah I don't know if it's gonna materialize I think there is a need and I'm speaking with someone um, I'm going to be working on a project with somebody who's about 20 minutes away from me, who has a retreat space that's beautiful. And I'm going to be maybe in collaboration with him to get something going, but that's kind of, that's not going to be access for everybody out, out there on the interwebs or anything, but locally that might happen as far as a retreat space for someone who's at an important fork in the road. And they're, they're thinking, you know, both, both choices are equally good Mm. or, seem to be equally good, but I really need to make the choice of what 's truly best and and essentially Ignatian says that if, if given that both choices are equally good there 's not a like a sinful choice, so there isn 't that really it 's okay to make the choice that you want, which is interesting because we don 't always think that we we might think you know make the make the pious choice or something that the the idea is is that God wants what we want, as long as what we want honors him. Yeah. So it's not that there's a good choice and a bad choice. It's just that like, for instance, if, if there's a choice of, um, you know, going on the mission field to Ghana or, um, thinking of your mission field as right in your town and Mm. doing something you really enjoy, that's a passion of yours. Neither choice is worse than the other. You know, no, there's a, a no, more noble choice. You can do the one that pleases you because it also pleases God that you're pleased. So mm. it's, it's a really different way of seeing things. You don't have to, like, take a huge hit for the team, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, make yourself a martyr, yeah. Right, uh, right. You don't
1: have to be like, well, I know I have to suffer because that would make God more happy with me. You know, it's not actually like that. It's like no. God takes great joy in our joy. It's just that if you're actually, you know, doing the easy one because it's gratifying to you in some way and you're shirking something. Okay. then well, that's a different story. But um, what, what, what is interesting about Ignatian spirituality is that um, how much God loves us and enjoys our happiness. And that's really refreshing. I don't know that I grew up thinking that I think I grew up, it being somehow indoctrinated or somehow getting the idea that God was usually ticked off and angry <laughs> and like looking for me to mess up so that he could punish me. And I don't know that that was actually taught probably it was sometimes, but I think I just picked that up maybe from things my parents did uh, or just, you know, thinking of God as wrathful, but um, thinking of God as, as um, you know, not wanting me to get myself hurt and in trouble and, and uh in a mess but at the same time just being overjoyed with me is more new you know more of a new concept
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it, uh, this is something i talk about as well i mean it's, it's so difficult i always think the, the, the harder the harder things to believe are not that we've screwed up and that we need forgiveness and we need to tra- be transformed and we need to those kind of things, confronting those things, although those are difficult in themselves, I think actually sometimes it's harder to confront the fact that we are unconditionally loved and accepted uh, and belong to God and mm-hmm. and that he loves us as we are, not as he'd like us to be, and he just loves us, you know, and, um, and that's often harder to believe because, you know, we don't think we deserve that. We know ourselves, we know what we've done, and we think, you know, why would somebody love me that much? You know, I don't right. deserve that. And it's, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing that we are talking about. You know, that the thing that God actually lo- en- enjoys us thriving and enjoys us following the desires actually that he's given us. Um, yeah, it's again, it's, it's probably uncomfortable for some of us.
1: Well, you know, I came to a really, really startling conclusion and epiphany the other day is that, Part of that, you could actually source it back to our own self-loathing, and Mm. I really came upon a real realization uh, the other day is that we are perfectly willing to give each other the grace we will never give ourselves. Yeah. And that also has to do with how we see God and how we think God is unwilling to give us grace. And so it was it was really a sort of starting conclusion because we're perfectly willing to um, say god loves you to someone but you know to sort of point at ourselves and say god loves you is feels really weird and creepy and unfamiliar and i don't know that we would even feel comfortable doing that but that's where it has to start or we're mm-hmm. never really going to be able to you know, come home. It's it's like a homecoming that we would actually think of God as it as we should.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, grace is where it all begins. You know, it's it has to be, and and that's that's the challenge, isn't it, for all of us? Yeah,
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. Um, I'm sure lots of people are going to want to read the book after hearing you talk about it today. Um, so. Uh, what what's kind of what's up next for you? What's the next kind of the work that you're involved in? Um, obviously, you've got the podcast as um, which mm-hmm. is which is still going and and things. And what, is there anything else that kind of creatively that you're up to at the moment?
1: Um, as far as the, it's mostly the podcast. What I'm working on is it's it's twice a week. But I've also done something that's extra for Soul School. Is the thing I put out on Wednesdays. It's kind of my own teaching you could say it's sort of a shorter format maybe 10 minutes 10 15 minutes and then for people who enjoy that sort of thing what I've done is a varsity club which is kind of the lesson based on that lesson and that's for sponsors of the show who can sponsor it for like five dollars a month or more that actually includes a video lesson what I actually hope to do from that excuse me video lesson and a worksheet with reflection questions and all kind of extra stuff. And also with that, you can meet with me for 15 minutes each month, one-to-one, like a Skype call. And, and then if there's, that's not enough time, I can like have a consultation time and add at at some kind of a discount or something like that. I haven't worked out that yet. Cause there hasn't been it's just come out recently. So what I actually hope to do is move into sort of a webinar class and get that up and running maybe in the fall, but I'm still working on the whole soul school and extra material and things like that. But as, as I work on this, soul school is much more for your people and their interior world and relationships and kind of really coming to grips with what it means to be loved Loving yourself, but not in a narcissistic take-a-selfie-of-yourself way. <laughs> but this this kind of homecoming where once it happens, you, you see the world differently and you see others as you see yourself. And I, I think some of these verses in the Bible start making sense. You know, the golden rule starts making a lot more sense when you're at peace with yourself. And I don't know that if we've, uh, we can ever really figure it out until... Mm we're settled first. Um, we just seem to get it wrong because we're so frustrated with ourselves or unsettled first that we can't love each other. Well, and so it's like um, Henry now and, and his book. Um, oh goodness. I'm going to totally blank out here. I'll have to send you, do you do show notes? I'll have to send you the link.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah send that to me. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Um, oh goodness. I forgot his but when Perry Nowen had his breakdown, he wrote his one of one of his really dark nights of the soul, and he was uh taking a sabbatical and he wrote a journal. He was working with a spiritual director and he and he later made this journal his a book. Um and Hmm. he just it was it's just this beautiful coming to God um Kind of broken down and just realizing how much God loved him in such a new um, way, almost like uh, mm. a baby being cradled in the arms of God. And when when that happens, it's like a well, it's like a rebirth, I guess you could say. That's our sync Create March theme, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh... And
1: um, so it's it's kind of that's kind of what I'm working on and looking at in spring and summer this year and and well i'll be concentrating on i think on the on some of the things i'm working on at spark my muse as well as having guests every friday and all different types of topics
0: awesome that's really awesome Uh, i look forward to hearing that i always you know your podcast if you haven't listened to spark my news go and check it out it's definitely one podcast i'd recommend um uh, so yeah do check that out um always really inspiring um, and check out this book as well. Um, it's called Forked. Um, I think, is it available on Amazon or is it just your site or?
1: It's, it's on Amazon. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, Forked, a discernment pocket guide for choosing wisely between two good things. But you can also link to it from my website, sparkmymuse.com. It's also the same website is com. They're both, will get you there.
0: Cool. Great. So just to, to close, um, what would be? I mean, one lesson that you've learned, or one lesson from the book, if you could pass it pass on one thing to people who are listening over people who are maybe people who are kind of looking for direction, trying to make a big decision. Um, what would be your kind of word for them?
1: Mm. Well, there's a really wonderful quote. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it here in a second. It's from Francis de Sales. And it's okay. <laughs> now, no, let me not find it, right? <laughs> it's um, live
0: recording, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah
1: right, right. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, Francis de Sales says this Seek not the consolations of God, seek the God of all consolation. Wow. And I think that's kind of what we do sometimes. We want to be consoled, and we are desperately searching, like, how do I find peace? How do I find consolation? What do I do? What do I do? And you you don't actually do anything. You just just come home. You just wait. And the God of all consolation is there already.
0: Mm. Wow. That's fantastic. What a great way to end. That's fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. That's really, really great. Um, Thank you for coming back as well. It's been really, really great to have you. Um,
1: Thank you, you,
0: James. And uh, we'll definitely have you back again, for sure.
1: Um,
0: I'm sure there's loads more we can talk about. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, and uh, that's it for this week, everyone. And I hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll talk soon.